1: Family caregivers don't have to be alone in their experiences. You will hear from experts and other caregivers facing the same issues that you may be facing. Now, here is your host, Dr. Gordon Atherley.
2: Welcome to episode 288 of Family Caregivers Unite. This is Dr. Gordon Atherley, your host. Our topic today is who cares for and about fetal alcohol spectrum disorders. Fetal alcohol spectrum disorders are one of the commonest identifiable causes of birth defects and developmental disabilities. These disorders occur in individuals whose mothers drank alcohol at any stage during pregnancy. These disorders may be preventable, at least to some degree. These disorders last a lifetime, have no cure, but they can be helped with appropriate care and treatments. These disorders produce problems with learning and remembering, understanding and following directions, controlling emotions, communicating and socialising, and with daily life skills such as feeding and bathing. These disorders are challenges for public health because beverages containing alcohol are produced by a massive industry and create major sources of taxation revenue for governments. Fetal alcohol spectrum disorders are controversial because they stigmatize individuals living with the disorders and they stigmatize their families too. They are controversial because they appear to single out women for their drinking habits while paying too little attention to the effects of fathers' drinking. They're controversial because of the ways justice systems deal with youth and adults who live with the disorders and who are charged with criminal offences and they're also controversial because support for family caregivers and their family members remain insufficient despite all the burdens fetal alcohol spectrum disorders create which is why our topic who cares for and about fetal alcohol spectrum disorders is so important. To discuss it our guests are Bruce Ritchie and Thelma Vincent. Bruce is moderator and CEO of FAS Link Fetal Alcohol Disorders Society. He's a single father of a son who was diagnosed with fetal alcohol syndrome as an infant. He was a founding director of the Fetal Alcohol Support Network, which invo- evolved to become FAS Link Fetal Alcohol Disorders Society, and which now serves more than 400,000 people annually. And he received Toronto St. Michael's Hospital's award for pioneer work in the area of fetal alcohol spectrum disorders. Thelma is an advocate and educator. She's president of Alberta's Fetal Alcohol Support Society, a parent-driven non-profit organization for persons and families affected by fetal alcohol spectrum disorder. Born in 1936 on a farm as the eldest of seven siblings, she's the single mother of two children, now successful adults, with a successful granddaughter. While she lived in the Northwest Territories of Canada, she adopted two five-year-old Inuit boys, who subsequently were found to be affected by fetal alcohol damage. One of them was severely impacted with mental health problems. Finding little understanding of this disability, Thelma began searching for information and methods for dealing with the behaviors resulting from it. Thelma's search continues. So welcome to the show, Bruce and Thelma. Well, thank you for having us. Now, I'm going to start with Bruce first. Please tell tell us more about your life your career, and your experience with family caregiving.
3: Bruce, please. Well, well I, I certainly never expected to be involved with fetal alcohol disorders. As a matter of fact, I had never even heard the term. Uh, I, for 18 years, actually from 1972, I started my first business, and I've been in the technologies and imaging-based businesses since then. And I'm a photographer, artist, and musician. But for 18 years, uh, I was a successful globe-trotting entrepreneur. Uh, then fast, lane, fast D came into my life, and the globetrotting ended, and life changed rather dramatically. Uh, I have raised my son since uh, I've been his primary care caregiver since the day he was born. Um, when he was uh, four months old, it was simply too dangerous to stay, so I had to pack him up, and we left. Um, and alcohol did eventually kill his birth mother. Uh, which, unfortunately, it happens to too many. Um, Anyway, we went through uh, absolutely huge challenges right from the beginning. I mean, the list of issues were extensive, including failure to thrive, hernia, seizures, ADHD, we had no short-term memory, uh, and developmental delays. Uh, Our kids have disabilities, but the biggest handicaps i have had to deal with are the battles with bureaucrats just to get the services to which he's entitled. And it never ends.
2: Bruce, we're going to talk more about that later on. That's a very powerful introduction to you and your experience. Now, I want to ask the same question of Thelma. Thelma, please tell us more about your life, your career, and your experience with family caregiving. Thelma?
4: Good. Um, I can go back with a a statement that uh, our family was never racist. We were brought up on Little Black sambo stories, on Clarissa's bedtime stories, and the Bible. And so we had a very deep moral background. Alcohol was a no, 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 no. Being bred and born, as the thing goes, on a farm way back as World War II was about to devastate every way of life, we naturally became hard workers, conservators. And that doesn't necessarily mean conservative, community-minded, obedient. Obedience meant life, just as in the animal kingdom. And we were well aware of animal husbandry, the genetics uh, behind that. I might just say back in 1957, when I became the first uh, female municipal clerk treasurer, many eye buyers were raised, but the main consensus uh, seemed to be if the brains were there, it didn't matter what the body. And uh, some 23.5 years later, I hoped that that had been proved beyond a doubt. After... A separation followed by a divorce, I raised my two children alone. It was simply natural to follow the pattern ingrained by my parents. And as those children graduated high school, I somewhat naturally fell to helping others who struggled alone to support their children. You can imagine how stunned I was when uh, a little five-year-old girl that I was caring for appeared to be addicted to alcohol. I was quite modern. I had used uh, a little or poured a little bit of creme de menthe over vanilla ice cream for a nice treat. Well, I quickly abandoned that and still abandon it today. Little did I know then how alcohol would impact on my life and how I would need to uh, educate myself on what alcohol does to our bodies.
2: Thelma, that's why your search continues, doesn't it? You're searching for information and knowledge to be applied. Now, I want to go to Bruce and ask, ask you this. Bruce, please tell us about your work with the fas Link Fetal Alcohol Disorder <clears throat> Society.
3: Bruce? Well, okay. Well, when my son was born, there was very, very, little, very little known about fetal alcohol syndrome. And the term itself had just been coined uh, in the early 1970s. Uh, there were no supports for families. The physicians had no idea how to deal with these things. Um, social workers, uh, health care people had no idea how to deal with it. They used the, um, you know, when we got into behavioral issues, they wanted to use behavior modification techniques, which we know does, and don't work. Uh, so in 1991, a small group of us formed the Fetal Alcohol Support Network, and that evolved into support groups uh, around the world, for that matter, and the International Fetal Alcohol uh, mm-hmm. Support Day, or Fetal Alcohol Syndrome Day, um, and everything evolved into, for me, into the FastLink Fetal Alcohol Disorder Society. And we've built uh, online resources ever since then, uh, started collecting the information In 1990, and when in '95, when the internet basically became available to the public, very quickly put it online and have been building it since. Um, I've worked uh, solidly in building that. We're now number one in Google's ranking for fetal alcohol. Uh, Your listeners might want to go to www.fastlink.org. In any case, uh, in 2005 uh, or 2007, I published a research paper proving that FASD significantly affects more than 10% of Canadian children. Much Bruce, to the I'm of going Health to stop Canada. you
2: there only because uh, we're going to take um, a break shortly and I want to give Thelma a chance to answer the same question, but we are coming back to the things you're talking about. Oh, okay. Thelma, please tell us about your work with Fetal Alcohol Support Society of Alberta.
4: Yes certainly um I had moved to Grand Curry in 1996 because, uh, with my two adopted Inuit boys, there were behaviors that I and problems that I had never seen before. I took teacher's education, uh, they were as lost as I was, um, so we moved down here. Uh, during the period of 96 to 99, I shopped at every door looking for help, but nobody had any idea of what I was uh, struggling with. In fact, they sent me for parenting courses that didn't go over very well with me. <laughs> <laughs> During 1999 to 2000, I sat on the local Region 13 Coordinating uh, Committee on FAS, as it was called back then, meaning the full FAS that uh, comes under the diagnostic criteria now. But then funding ceased and the committee died. I volunteered with um, two other families to become the voice. and. FAS, as we knew it then, and as parents we quickly learned that we had no legal standing, no accountability, and constantly met, uh, were met with the mindset that we're only parents. What could we know? We were also blamed as parents, as the mothers, for the disorder. I never did tell them that I was had adopted children, so we created our society. FAST, Fetal Alcohol Support Society, in 2001, which did give us accountability in the community and we're still active today. Our first action was to present on uh, FAST-D, as it was now becoming, at a fatality inquiry. The lad had frozen in the snowbank while in Children's, children's Services Care. This resulted in two of the four recommendations being directed towards those caring for uh, uh, ones with FAST-D. We quickly learned that the recommendations, just having them in place, without follow-up accountability by the offending agency, was not conducive to improvement. Then we discovered FAST-Link and joined its forum um, with Bruce in exchanging information with several hundred other Uh, mostly parents, um, bewildered parents a lot of the time, but um, the odd professional, too. Um, Personally... I would not have survived if I didn't have this forum and that connection it's where we all turn for guidance support uh, to uh, rant and rave at times and to access the ever-increasing new um, flow on new research and that includes on the paternal impact and that's going to be very very important in the in the future Um, it's not just mothers they are a pipeline sure Uh, fathers are pipeline, two, although the results may be somewhat different, but it is still fetal alcohol damage. So through our personal struggles, we learned that neuropsychological assessments, which could identify the brain damage, would be critical to identifying that the client has a genuine disability and for obtaining support monies, housing, food, and such services as we might be able to find them.
2: Thelma, I'm just going to stop you there because we're running out of time for this segment, but I promise you we're coming back to all of this because (laughs) these both of you are saying things that need saying strongly. So we'll take the break now. Okay, we only need 24 hours, Gordon. (laughs) (laughs) I'll do my best. (laughs) Mm -hmm. So... Here's the break. This is Dr. Gordon Asley, my guests are Bruce Ritchie and Thelma Vincent. You're listening to Family Caregivers Unite on the Voice America Variety and Empowerment channels and CJMP 90.1 FM Community Radio. Please stay with us. We're coming back.
5: Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. time here on VoiceAmerica.com.
1: Find out what's happening on the Voice America Talk Radio Network by keeping up with us on Twitter. You can find us at VoiceAmericaTRN. You are listening to Family Caregivers Unite with Dr. Gordon Atherley. If you have any questions or comments about our program, please address them by email to DocG at FamilyCaregiversUnite.org. Now, back to Family Caregivers Unite.
2: Welcome back to our listeners to Family Caregivers Unite and Bruce Ritchie and Thelma Vincent. Our topic is who cares for and about fetal alcohol spectrum disorders. So now, both of you, let's discuss the question of who cares for fetal alcohol spectrum disorders and the challenge that these disorders challenges that these disorders create. So Bruce, starting with you first please, please tell us about the ways in which family caregivers care for family members who are living with fetal alcohol spectrum disorders and the challenges that are experienced by the family caregivers. Bruce? Well the, the
3: bottom line is that it's parents who are, are, are the ones who really do the main care uh, for the kids, and we're all amateurs when we get into this fetal alcohol field. We start off not knowing, having any idea what we're dealing with, knowing that we've got some issues that we're dealing with and not, and not getting a whole lot of help. And you know, So we end up being very creative. We end up having to talk to other parents who've, who've been dealing with it, maybe those who've uh, dealt with it before us. Uh, I've been very fortunate through FastLink that... Uh, I've had probably several thousand parents help me raise my son because, um, you know, if I hadn't had them, it would have been a total, complete disaster. Um, you know, a certain amount of uh, my background in university was in psychology and very quickly discovered that uh, behavior modification doesn't work and nothing else seemed to work, uh, not realizing initially that it was brain injury that we're dealing with, a very physical problem and behavior modification doesn't cure brain injury um, disabilities put huge responsibilities on the parents a lot of pressure it usually forces one parent to withdraw from the workforce uh... and that affects the family income dramatically and the stresses within the home uh... more than eighty percent of families who are dealing with significant disabilities become single-parent families so uh, all of a sudden, you've got the normal stresses of raising children with and without disabilities, and then you add the financial stresses of being single parents, and that affects, uh, you, know, that affects you all the way down the line right through to pension when eventually you're trying to retire. So, uh, and all the bureaucrat- bureaucrats that we've got to deal with, most of us have never had to deal with that kind of nonsense before. And all the programs are surrounded by red tape landmines designed to disqualify the unwary. Uh, So getting service is a huge challenge.
2: Right. Uh, we
3: Basically, uh, if we don't have uh, an awful lot of patience, love, and a hell of a sense of humor, we aren't going to survive.
2: Right. Now we're coming back to those things, Bruce. Very, very clear. Thelma, please tell us about the ways in which medical services care for children, adolescents, and adults living with fetal alcohol spectrum disorders and the challenges that are created for family caregivers by the medical services Thelma
4: well by and large they don't The training, the education, the practical experience is just not there. Fat d is not even in the DSMs, and only vague references are made to it in the ICD-10s. And, of course, those are the criteria that would have medical doctors and psychiatrists and psychologists uh, trained in it. So Fat d does not entirely fit either category. probably needs its own category, and that is both good and bad. Uh, that is not in the d s m s and I'm citing Diane Malbum when I say that she's a public speaker on fatty bad. In that medical professionals are not being taught about uh, fetal alcohol spectrum disorder, and good in that the narrow definition of FASD is just that too narrow, and if set in stone, may cause another raft of problems as many would be denied the uh, diagnosis and mums would be continued to be blamed rather than the toxin being targeted like thalidomide was or lead. When we stop to think of the aspirin causes much damage. It wouldn't be targeted. Uh, the mums wouldn't be targeted. It would be the um, the uh, um, item itself. So in the medical services field, on the top of the list I would put neuropsychologists, and we are so, so, so fortunate in the West, in Alberta, to have the Canadian Fast D Diagnostic Training Centre in Edmonton, as a key source of obtaining neuropsychological assessments by which we can determine brain damage or neuropsychiatric and mental health disorders and then be advised as to what services, supports, referrals that need to be put in place. Unfortunately, health services do not pay for this, so our society has to fundraise to provide it. Um, the concurrent um, neuropsychiatric disorders and mental death disorders um, compound the uh, professional ability to uh, serve the population, whether they're primary um, disabilities or secondary is debatable, but they certainly are there. We also have to rely on genetic testing to eliminate uh, genetic disorders that parallel or cause similar disabilities. Pediatrician may come next if he's trained in visible FASD, usually the full FAS or the partial FAS. They're usually self-trained, but with a workload at the maximum for the older children. Use adults. The parallel service is not there. Medical doctors. If there are birth defects such as club foot, uh, cleft lips, spinal structural problems, dental needs, uh, then they would uh, normally be handling those anyhow. Uh, so. Medical services is extremely sparse, extremely unfamiliar with the whole field, and they're not about to be trained until something is set up in the uh, medical DSMs or ICD tens or a separate category as may be uh, decided upon in the uh, in the end. So,
2: right, I'm going to stop, Thelma. I'm going to stop you there because of the tyranny of time. Powerful stuff. I want to go to Bruce now. Please tell us about the ways in which non-government organizations care for children, adolescents and adults living with fetal alcohol spectrum disorders, and about family caregivers' experience with these organizations. Bruce?
3: Well, basically the non-government organizations that do the the care are the fetal alcohol support, uh, local support organizations of parents. Uh, They're the ones that have the information and share the information. They're the ones who have had, by uh, really hard knocks, had to find out what services might be available, including financial services and how to get them, Uh, because they're not being uh, mentioned either by the medical profession or social services professions. You will have some of the uh, foster homes uh, who know that they're dealing with a lot of children who have fetal alcohol disorders. Uh, But in some cases, uh, 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 they're they're not being allowed to get the kind of diagnosis that is needed, probably because of cost. Uh, In Ontario, we have an organization called Annie's Havens, and uh, they retain me as a consultant. Uh, They're expanding through southwestern Ontario from the toronto Markham area as well and are insisting that all of their parents be properly trained on dealing with fetal alcohol disorders. They originally started uh, with um, uh, medically fragile children, and this is uh, a naturally natural expansion for them. So, you know, but there are simply too few resources that are available, uh, too few trained people who are available. Uh, Our kids age out of the system, and so. Uh, you know, you'll have, uh, typically they'll be at a half their chronological age emotionally, uh, anywhere from half to three-quarters. Well, you can have a, a, an 18-year-old uh, youth who's actually functioning on a 9-, 10-, or 11-year-old basis, and you kick him out of the system and he has to make his way out in the streets. Right. Um, you know, it just that the resources aren't there and they're desperately needed. And until government gets out of its case of denial and actually gets serious about dealing with this, nothing's going to change.
2: Right. We're going to talk about change uh, in a moment, but let me go to Thelma now. Please tell us about the ways in which justice systems care for children, adolescents and adults living with fetal alcohol spectrum disorders and the challenges, the way these justice systems work. The challenges that creates for family caregivers. Thelma.
4: Uh, The justice system, uh, because we've been sitting on their tail for some 10 years or better now, is slowly changing. It took approaches to them, uh, literature, education, and whenever someone with uh, suspected fetal alcohol was in court, we tried to be there to do a presentation. If there was a diagnosis or assessment, we got it together and we made sure the appropriate people had it. If a neuropsychological assessment was not available, we do a quick interview, prepare a referral, and make known to the court that we're undertaking this, and then the judge will usually put the case over until the official assessment is received, or he may order a neuropsychological assessment to be undertaken under Section 34 of the um, Youth Justice Criminal Act. Um, We do have to speak strongly to be able to get that. And at that point, we insist that it be a neuropsychologist, not a psychologist, as this is invisible brain damage. So then the case gets stepped down, we go back to court again, and we usually get one or the other of the following. It could be probation, which is usually just a series of reporting in, and we walk them there, note the dates, walk them there, make sure they follow through on that might be alternative measures, which in turn means, again, probation, and we walk them in and walk them out. And uh, sometimes community service, again, is very hard to get it. Appropriate community service because nobody is geared to be able to handle the disability. Uh, For example, one lad was given um, uh, community work at the Salvation Army hanging up um, new clothing on hangers. He could not coordinate two hands together with the hanging up process, so we had to go and have that uh, changed to something more appropriate inevitably we're in and out of court uh, over several months getting all these things in in place if we get alternative measures uh, while it's a form of probation we can approach a probation officer and say uh, suggest some things like john howard society for anger management mental health services for counseling um, things that will look good when we go back before uh, the judge but because it's It's brain damage and permanent, it's not resolvable by counselling, it just looks good on paper, so again the caregiver or the society is the one that takes the, uh, the load on their shoulders. And if the assessment reveals mental health disorders, again we might be referred to Alberta or Canadian Mental Health, who again are not trained. We can ask for addictions and mental health counseling, but again, it's brain damage. They're not going to take it in place. It, this brain damage is what's caused these problems. So, effectively, there are no effective, um, um, Programs, as to the understanding, training, and money to execute any of the um, resources that should be there, the is just simply dumped on existing um, ill-equipped uh, providers. For those needing um, structured low stimulus environments, Children's Services effectively closed our one and only wilderness camp. Those attaining 18 simply enter the revolving doors of the correctionals. And one did with three or four murders on his charges. But he was out of trouble for years at the camp and children flourished out there. So we have a long, long, long way to go. And it begins with education and understanding that these kids aren't willful, disobedient lawbreakers, but they have a genuine disability that uh, uh, is very difficult to deal with
2: right and it's just to quickly finish off it's a disability that arises from brain damage and you've both made that very clear and that's very powerful now it's time for the break again this is dr gordon Atherley and my guests are bruce Ritchie and thelma vincent you're listening to family caregivers unite on the voice america variety and empowerment channels and cjmp 90.1 fm community radio please stay with us we will be back
0: If you'd like to talk, call us toll-free right now at 1-866-472-5787. 1-866-472-5787. That's it. That's it. VoiceAmerica.com.
1: You are listening to Family Caregivers Unite with Dr. Gordon Atherley. If you have any questions or comments about our program, please address them by email to docg at familycaregiversunite.org. Now, back to Family Caregivers Unite.
2: Welcome back to our listeners to Family Caregivers Unite. I'm Bruce Ritchie and Thelma Vincent. Our topic is who cares for and about fetal alcohol spectrum disorders. Now, both of you, let's discuss the questions of who cares about fetal alcohol alcohol spectrum disorders and the challenges that these create. Bruce, starting with you, please tell us about the organizations in our society which care enough about fetal alcohol spectrum disorders that they advocate for ways to overcome the challenges experienced by individuals who live with these disorders.
3: Bruce? Okay, well, it's it's actually improving uh, over where it was at 20 years ago. Um, But I have to say that uh, as a species, we've known for 3,070 years that drinking alcohol during pregnancy will hurt the baby. We're very slow learners. But um, parent advocacy groups really have been the key. Uh, to raising awareness and goading governments into responding. I've had uh, great success here in Sarnia with uh, Lampton College, and they have me in regularly teaching uh, classes for early childhood education, their social work program, and their uh, personal so- support worker programs. Uh, They are concerned. They know uh, that uh, their students are going to go out into the world, but uh, a lot of them are going to be dealing with our individuals. And, you know, they've educated themselves, or I've helped educate the ones here, uh, and they're trying to do something about it. Uh, Unfortunately, there just simply does not seem to be the funding or the interest uh, on government to actually do anything and put any any funds where it should be. Uh, when they do announce some funding, it's usually just renaming some government programs and flipping the same money to the bureaucrats, and none of it ever gets down to the grassroots level. I mean, it's uh, our our parent support organizations are uh, studiously ignored uh, by government. Uh, if we aren't ignored. Uh, it's simply lip service that has been being paid. But we are the frontline workers. We're the ones that are doing it. We're involved and interested in it because it's our kids that are involved. Um, you know, if they had a different condition, um, you know, whether it's uh, a genetic condition or whatever, we would be involved in those conditions. Um, but we're involved because it's personal involvement. Right. And that's unfortunately what happens with an awful lot of medical conditions.
2: Right. Right. Thelma, please tell us about the people in our society who care enough about the disorders that they advocate for ways to overcome the challenges experienced by the individuals who live with these disorders. Thelma?
4: I'm going to answer that with a, perhaps a series of questions stop and think, would you care enough to do something about a disorder that is clearly made known by the government to be the fault of the mother, that clearly stated by the government to be avoidable if the mother didn't consume alcohol, that is not infringing on your backyard, is not seen to be encroaching on your enjoyment of a substance marketed for human consumption as a right, but never under the scrutiny of the FDA as other products are, such as soda crackers, that hides and soft-pedals information as to the damage such drug causes throughout society, the drug being alcohol, appears to be dealt with by many layered administrative levels of organization and who, unknowingly to you, are uh, receiving and repeating information that often binds you as uh, as a public. Or caused by a substance that, on reaching the age of majority, is perceived as a passage of right. That no matter how costly, those costs are kept hidden. That is often said to be an Aboriginal problem. It is more likely to be in the status of society earning fifty thousand and up. That endangers your addiction. Aside from not. There are people who do care. Parents and families care because they carry the load, they carry the grief, the disappointment, the heartache, and they see what their children suffer. We as a society are moved to to be able to do what we can to help and it was with this in mind that we prepared a platform entitled what parents need want that we were pushing so that we can all come on the one web page so in the end there are two levels of people in society that care the paid level who do what they're told and we don't really get along very far with them and they don't care enough to advocate for the ways to overcome the challenges and the unpaid level, the family and their uh, offspring, and they're the ones that really hurt because it can destroy families, it can break them up. It can cause other children in the family to be more susceptible to uh, suicides. And certainly it um, makes it very difficult for a single parent to work, to provide funding as uh, is needed to raise children. And you may have more than one child in the family, and they can be very, very, very different from each other. So you're pulling one and pushing the other one. And, of course, they like to be treated the same. So that's how I would answer that one.
2: Right. Very important answer. Very important question, Thelma. Now, Bruce, please tell us about the organizations in our society which care enough about fetal alcohol spectrum disorders that they are advocates for ways to overcome the challenges experienced by the family caregivers. You've spoken a lot about the challenges. They well, overcome. again,
3: it comes back to the, the very base root is the parents. That's where this starts from, and the parents uh, support group. Uh, organizations uh, like um, uh, Lampton College, uh, other colleges who are setting programs uh, to try and train people. Uh, there are organizations that care enough, they want to advocate uh, teachers themselves. Some of the teaching is actually making it into teacher's college, but they need a lot more training. And the reality is that over 20% of our kids are receiving special education services, more than half of them for conditions of types known to be caused by prenatal exposure to alcohol. And we know that 37% of babies, according to Stats Canada, are exposed to binge drinking during pregnancy. So, I mean, it's, the numbers are coming out. Some of the research is coming out. Um, government is still in a lot of denial because if they actually admit to the, the level of the problem, they will actually have to fund it. But a lot of the difficulties we run into is that for the people who are paid who need to respond, the money isn't there for them to be able to spend the time in that area. And that includes in research. Uh, in geneticists uh, who work with us for fetal alcohol uh, diagnoses uh, point out very clearly. There's for almost no money for FASD research, but there's lots for uh, research into cancers, familial cancers, etc. Uh, the funding just isn't being put to where it's going to be effective. So I've got to give um, a few organizations the thumbs up, but most of them, uh, you yeah, know, just by default, they're thumbs down.
2: Right. Thelma, please tell us about the people in our society who care enough about the disorders that they are advocates for ways to overcome the challenges experienced by the family caregivers. The people advocating for family caregivers. Who are they? Tell us about them. Thelma, please.
4: Uh, it's a little more difficult for me. Um, because the younger ones are covered by a network here it is not good um protocol for us to interfere with what is happening there although we will work with parents who are in stressful situations or simply don't know that their child has anything more than ADHD and I've sat in an ADHD meetings and looked in in at Many attendees there who had problems that were indicative to me of fetal alcohol and, in fact, one family, grandmother, mother, and the child all had evidence of uh, fetal alcohol, but they were calling it ADHD. Maybe it was more acceptable. Um, Paramount uh, to us progressing is that we get all on the one web page and go after the same thing. As long as we're divided, we will not get the necessary supports from the uh, government. Families need uh, help. They certainly are pushed with the financial needs. Um, If they can't go to any agency and be treated with respect and a no blame attitude, they're not going to go. They're petrified of children's services because they don't want to lose their children. They simply don't know where to go. And that's what moved us to start initiating the platform what parents need and want. Whether we'll get that uh, going far or not, uh, it's hard to say. It won't be for lack of effort on uh, my part. And we're certainly willing to amend and um, extend it as needed. Um, there's always new information coming out, new research. And so our uh, information has to keep changing and expanding and being more explicit and accurate. What comes out from uh, government organizations is what we struggled with uh, some 20 years ago and not really new research. Unless we bring in a speaker like Diane Malbum from Oregon, and uh, that was resisted for quite some time, but she was in this past week and she had the information on the paternal impact how it happened and while the uh the indicators were slightly different than uh from the maternal impact it still is fetal alcohol damage and so some of the attendees uh, approached me afterwards and said "isn't that what you've been saying for the last 10 years?" I said yeah no. <laughs> and, uh, now they're they're yeah. slowly catching up um Because of the stigma, uh, the whole diagnosis, the whole scope of fetal alcohol all seems to be stuck in a rut somewhere, hid behind a rug, not wanting to be brought out. Um, As long as they can blame the mum and not target the toxin, it's very hard to make progress. So we we urge support on everybody. It's part of why we're willing to do this program is the individual has power, but the individual must get together with other individuals and speak with a united voice. And no two of our children are the same. No two of our adults are the same. They are the same in the in the sense that they're all different from the mainstream society, but each one has individual needs and will require individualized um, services and and treatment.
2: Now, I'm just going to summarize very quickly back to you. It's the people who are the family caregivers who create the organisations which bring the change. That's the message. There are people out there who do work with you and are sympathetic, but essentially it all comes back to the family caregivers for all the reasons you said, who care and advocate. And so supporting their organisations, to me, seems a high priority. Now on that point, I'm going to take the short break. This is Dr. Gordon Adley, and my guests are Bruce Ritchie and Thelma Vincent. You're listening to Family Caregivers Unite on the Voice America Variety and Empowerment channels and CJMP 90.1 FM Community Radio. Please stay with us, we will be back.
0: The Internet's number one talk station. Number one talk station. VoiceAmerica.com
1: You are listening to Family Caregivers Unite with Dr. Gordon Atherley. If you have any questions or comments about our program, please address them by email to docg at org. Now, Back to Family Caregivers Unite.
2: Welcome back to our listeners to Family Caregivers Unite and Bruce Ritchie and Thelma Vincent. Our topic is who cares for and about fetal alcohol spectrum disorders. So now both of you, let's talk about what more you would like to do and see done to bring more help for children, adults, adolescents, adults and their family caregivers. So Bruce, what more would you like to do to bring more help for children, adolescents and adults living with the disorders. Bruce?
3: He goes right back to the recognition of the true incidence of fetal alcohol spectrum disorders and the reality is it's about 10% of the general population. There are more than 60 medical conditions that are caused by exposure to alcohol. Almost every system in the body is affected. Uh, genetic biogenetic research has shown that over a thousand genes and cell processes are affected by ethanol. Uh, it's just, uh, that includes proliferation, transport, and communications between the cells. Government has got to recognize that the incidence is as wide as it is. We have a lot of kids who are diagnosed with ADHD, and autism is on the rise. Well, autism, if you look at the diagnostic criteria, is virtually identical to SASB, but it doesn't have the social baggage of the word alcohol. Uh, pervasive developmental disorders, reactive attachment disorders, all of these things, the doctors seem to think they can pick on on, uh, one of the alphabet soup conditions and leave it at that without actually finding and inquiring further as to what the cause is, because if they do, they'll find that they will have a different protocol for treatment for the individual and perhaps for the family, too. Right. Uh, if, they deny, if they refuse to provide the diagnosis or are in, unable to, and it should all be under our Medicare and not out of the pockets of the families, I mean, that's self-selecting all by itself. If you have to put out $2,000 or more for a diagnosis, um, you know, and they're already in denial to a large extent, uh, the recognition has to be there that gotcha. the incidence is high, that it is going to require money to actually deal with it. The medical schools are going to have to be training their people. The nursing schools are going to have to. Social services are going to have to train. All of these things have to be done if we're going to provide supports and create a world that our kids can actually survive in. Your options are spending $100,000 a year imprisoning
4: them.
2: Yeah. Now, Bruce, I'm just going to stop you because of time, but we will summarize this. Uh, Thelma, what more would you like to do to bring more help for family caregivers for the disorders we're talking about? Thelma? Uh,
4: Would you repeat that again, please? Your are
2: Yeah. Yeah. Thelma, what more would you like to do to bring more help for family caregivers who who are caring for family members with fetal alcohol spectrum disorders. Thelma?
4: In a sense, uh, there are things I would like to do, but uh, more accurately, there are things that um, the uh, persons in authority, such as the government, need to do, and that's why we're pushing our platform. And I think, just to put that in perspective, I'm going to touch just on a few points of that. Um, Number one, we want active input into the leadership team that decides what they think we need, and we see that being done by a parent advisory council, a PAC council. Council, and we want to select those because we know who's knowledgeable and who has just become stunned by the knowledge that, hey, this may be what's happening to their child. We want education on a broad, broad, broad range, continually upgraded and incorporating um, new research. And we want education as to the toxic nature of alcohol. It is a powerful drug in any shape, form, under anything, and it affects any cell in the body, particularly the brain it drags the uh, moisture or the the water out of a cell, and that's what kills the uh the cell and uh we're finding that uh, some of those um um damages uh such as the first time a bipolar person where the only link could have been drinking alcohol is passed on to a daughter or son, and uh, that is not going to go away overnight. Some things will um, ameliorate, but we're seeing up to three generations with still some of the facial anomalies showing. So it's, it's not just one generation we're talking about. We want to broaden the current definition of fetal alcohol to include right from the moment of pre-fertilization through uh, the embryonic, through the gastrulation stage, right through till the baby is born and after the nursing period is over. We want alcohol placed under the Food and Drug Act, as is every other product for human consumption. And we want the right to a timely diagnosis and assessment and suitable uh, intervention and treatment. And we want financial support without the demeaning uh, um, process that we have to go through now. And we want compensation for all those innocent victims that have been uh, damaged over the years by neglect to face up to the responsibility of those who traffic in and market in this uh, 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 toxin.
2: Right. Right. Tell me, I'm just going to stop you because we're going to run out of time in a moment, and yep. I want to just finalise. Bruce, yep. you've talked about things in the healthcare systems, medical systems that you want to see done. Just round that up. What do you think that physicians should be doing now to address the challenges you've talked about?
3: Well, diagnosing FASD to me is not all that complex. From looking, going through all the criteria. A family physician should be able to do the diagnosis, the primary diagnosis of FASD. The detailed diagnosis of, of which systems are affected to what extent to help make the plan of treatment for the child can come later, but the primary diagnosis has to be done early, as young as possible. Then you can put the interventions in place and the child has a chance to survive. They can't wait to get their diagnosis when they're 10 or 12 years old or when they come before the, the courts for the first first time. This needs to be done when they're infants. Every physician needs to be trained. Every physician needs to be doing every family physician needs to be doing screening of both the uh, male and female patients on their um, alcohol use and quite frankly the little urine test strips are available that should be used as part of uh, the regular office visits. Got it. I'm going else. to
2: stop you only because of the tyranny okay. of time because I want Thelma to say What about social services? What more would you like to see them done? Very quickly. Thelma, please.
4: My relationship with social services is, is, is uh, a, a bit like putting salt in a wound. I like to avoid them because families are afraid of losing their children because of being blamed for the disability. And I, uh, I would like to see though the cost and the services available through our healthcare system again without blame or fault finding, but with practicality and efficiency and with the welfare of the family. Families and the not just children, we have adults that are finally being diagnosed and finally understanding that they're not bad people. They've had a disability, it's something they're going to battle, but it is not their uh, um, uh, fault that they were born with this way.
2: Right. It was brain damage caused by alcohol. That's the point of both of you, isn't it?
3: Yeah. Now, and usually, Gordon, if I could make one comment, most of the time it's done in the first three months before Mom even knew she was pregnant, and she was just doing the cultural normal thing. Right. Right.
2: Okay. Now, unfortunately, this powerful, powerful episode has to come to an end. But I want to say first of all to Bruce and to Thelma, thank you for sharing with us in such an open way all the. F- the experience you've personally had all your insights and all your advice and i want to wish you on behalf of everybody's listening and me every success in your work because it's vital and i just hope that this this episode of family caregivers unite will have been of some assistance to you i also want to say thank you to our listeners we'd like to hear your comments on this episode and from our listeners i'd like to hear about ideas for topics or if you're interested in being a guest on the show our next episode will be spiritual support for recovery from addictions please join us same time same spot on the internet talk to you then